0: Well, um, it's so good that you're with us here um, on this sort of gray and rainy day in the borough at Pittman Park um, in, in the early service at 845. Everybody was kind of dragging in and, and we were slow to get going, but it's so good um, to hear your voices raised high in praise uh, to God, our Savior, God, our, our Creator and Redeemer. And, and we are so glad that you're here with us this morning. I want to tell you a little bit about my friend, Stephan. Uh, my friend Stephan is a, is a pastor in South Georgia. And um, I've known Stefan for about eight years now. Um, He's one of my best friends. And um, one of the things that I joke with Stefan about all the time um, is this picture that he has in his office. Now, Bill, don't show the picture yet, okay? Okay. he has this picture in his office. It's a very special picture. It's a picture that um, one of his family members gave him, so um, I, don't, I don't push on him too hard about it. But um, it's, an image of, it's an image of Jesus, okay? Um, and everybody sort of has an Im- image of who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. And I hope, you know, throughout Lent, you've gotten sort of a different picture of who Jesus is and what he's about. Um, but I want to share this picture, this image of Jesus with you this morning. Um, go ahead and put it up there. I mean, what do you do with that? You know, I mean, we have some warped visions of who we think Jesus is, right? I mean, here, Jesus is a boxer, right? In this corner, we have the Savior. Um, his, his right-hand glove says mercy on it, okay? Um, what do you do with that image, right? People have, I mean, this isn't like the only print of this in his office. You can buy these online if you want them, Okay. Um, this is an image that people have of who Jesus is. He's sort of in the corner fighting, um, you know, beating Satan up or sinners up or I don't know what he's beating up. But he's, he's beating up something and he looks very determined. So that's one image of Jesus um, that we have. Uh, here's another image of Jesus. If you remember the movie Dogma, it came out when I was in, I think, high school, maybe early college. This is Buddy Jesus. Um, and Buddy Jesus, he's really cool with everything you're about right? Um, no challenge from Buddy Jesus. He's warm, he's affectionate, and, and he cares about you, but he, he doesn't necessarily care um, much more than, than about how you feel. Um, so this is, this is Buddy Jesus from the 90s, and that's an image that a lot of people have of Jesus, that he's sort of eternally for us. And if you ask him nice enough, I'm sure a, a Benz will show up in your driveway or something, or a million dollars in your bank account. I don't know. Uh, that's Buddy Jesus. Here's another image. This image is from like the 50s and 60s. Um, every church that I've been to, um, in, in ministry, um, and probably in my life has this picture hanging somewhere in the church. You might have to look for it a minute, but it's there. Um, and this is Jesus, um, and he's very white, as you notice, um, and he's, he's sort of, he's not looking at you, um, he's not looking down at you, he's sort of looking, sort of looking up, um, he's sort of ambivalent, sort of doesn't care, it, it feels like he doesn't care much in the picture, He's got some concern on his face. Does it feel real personal? These are all images of Jesus, and I point them out to you because we all walk around with these images of who Jesus is to us and what Jesus means to our life. What does life, death, and resurrection mean to us? And I hope that throughout this series, as you've heard these stories and you've asked this question, who is this man, that your image of who Jesus is and what Jesus is about has been challenged in some ways. Because as I said earlier, in John's gospel, Jesus is always meeting people right there in the middle of the mess of their life. In the middle of all the stuff they've got going on, Jesus meets them. This morning we're going to talk about another story from John. It's in John chapter 11. It's a story about Jesus um, meeting uh, two women who were in grief and a man who is dead named Lazarus. So if you will, flip open your Bibles, open up your um, iPhones, iPads to John chapter 11. And we're going to sort of walk through this story because it's a story that you need to hear. We're not going to read every verse, but we're going to read a big chunk of this chapter. Or at least from verses 1 to 45. So, if you will, John chapter eleven says there. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary. Excuse me, the brother of Mary and her sister Martha, Mary who was anointed, who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped her feet with his hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill, so the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, the one whom you love, is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said. This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it's for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. I've got a question for you. Um, If you have a sick friend, and they send you a message and say, I'm sick, I'm not, I'm not like, I've got the cold sick, I've got a cough sick, but I'm really sick. Like, I'm sick that I think I'm going to die. What, what would you do? You get up and go, right? If you get a call like that from a dear friend that says, I'm sick to the point of death, it's, it's not looking good, you get up and you, you go. That's what we do, right? That's what I would do. Um, with, with my friend, my fans and my, my, my friends, and my, I said family, that's what was going to come out. I've heard that commercial over and over again. My family, my friends and family. um, And for you guys, this is is what we do, right? But Jesus, he doesn't doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Instead, he says, let's go to Judea again. And he he goes off. He spends two days. And then he decides to turn back and head toward Bethany. This is what happened when Jesus arrived in verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He'd already been in the tomb for four days. Now, you remember that two days earlier, Jesus got the message, right? Or at least that's how the timeline seems to go. But it really should work like this. From where Jesus was to Bethany, around the place where Lazarus and his family lived, it was about a day's walk. So the messengers get the message for Mary and Martha to go find Jesus because Lazarus is sick to the point of death. They set out. It takes them one day to get to Jesus, okay? They give Jesus the message. Jesus says, this illness won't end in death, and he waits two days. And then from where he is, it's a day's walk back to Bethany. Does this make sense? the timeline make a little more sense now? All right, so four days have gone by, which means when Mary and Martha gave The messengers, this message to send to Jesus, Lazarus, was really sick. And by the time time those messengers made it to Jesus, Lazarus was already dead. And that's the timeline that we have here in this story. Jump back into the text. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. She left where she was um, in the house and went out on the road to meet him while Mary stayed at home. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will, will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, and if you have your Bible open or you can take a highlight or a note, you need to do it right now. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life those who believe in me even though they die will live and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this do you believe this martha i love jesus response to martha that one day you know she she says Martha believes that one day God is going to resurrect all of those who are dead in the Lord. That, that, that everyone who's a follower of God is going to be resurrected on the last day at the judgment. Everyone will, will be brought up from the grave. They'll be back alive. This is what Martha believes in. It's a hope that's sort of distant. It's a hope that's sort of out there. It's a hope uh, for eternal life that happens way, way, way on down the road. Eternal life for her, like I said, it's something to be hoped for and longed for and to pray for. And you and I, all too often, we believe like Martha believes. That eternal life is something that happens after we die. Or maybe even longer after that, whenever Christ comes again. But Jesus, he doesn't say, you're right, Martha, that's, that's the right answer. Jesus says, no, no, you don't understand, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Jesus, he's turning the tables on Martha. And in doing so, he turns the tables on us. He says to her, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. Everyone who believes in me will never die. Now, we all know that we're going to die, right? We are everyone in this room, short of the rapture, short of Christ's second coming. We are all going to die, every one of us. Every single one of us will one day be worm food. But Jesus But Jesus says something powerful. When he says, I am the resurrection and I am The life, what he is saying is that eternal life, this eternal life that you have in your mind that's supposed to happen sometime way off in the distant future, eternal life actually happens in the presence, in the present, if you know Jesus Christ. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, eternal life is not something that begins way off down the road. It's something that happens here and now. Yes, eternal life with God happens in the future, but it's happening right now if your faith is in Jesus. Christ, and because life eternal begins in the present and not in the future, you and I have the unique opportunity to live in the power and in the presence of God right now. In these moments, you have the opportunity as followers of Jesus Christ to live in his power and in his presence, to live into the kingdom of God. Because yes, the kingdom of God is is coming, but it's already here. Because Christ has already come among us. If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, then eternal life is available to you right now in this moment. So Martha replies to him in verse 27. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Then look down at verse 32. Martha says, I get it. I, I understand what you're saying. Well, then Mary, who's at the house... Comes out to meet Jesus. When Mary, that's Martha's sister and Lazarus' sister, came to meet Jesus, excuse me, came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is exact wording that Martha uses earlier. If you'd have been here, Jesus, you could have healed him. You, you could have brought him maybe back to life. I don't, I don't know, Jesus. You could have done something. The difference between Martha's response and Mary's response, that was huge, isn't it? Martha runs out the house to accuse Jesus, saying, if you'd have been here, things would have been different. But Mary is in the midst of her grief, and she's about about to lose it. And, And she says, Jesus, if you had been here, you could have done something. And Jesus Jesus, he met Martha in her accusation and said, "You know the truth about who I am and, and what I'm about." He meets Mary. And it's interesting what happens next in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, when He saw her in her pain, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved he said where have you laid him I said Lord come and see and Jesus began to weep now if you're reading from the New International Version or the King James Version you know that is the shortest passage in scripture it's actually two words in those translations it reads like this Jesus wept Jesus wept so the Jews said See how we loved Him. And here in the midst of death, and here in the midst of suffering, we see that we have a Savior who doesn't make a cameo appearance in our world. He doesn't just sort of pass through our reality and leave. He doesn't just walk for a few days with humanity and then magically disappear up into the air. We see that we have a Savior who loves us to the point that He weeps when we weep. He loves us to the point that He cries When we feel like we're being crushed by the weight of life, we have a Savior who knows us and knows what life on earth is like in every sense that you can imagine. Christ meets every single one of us exactly where we are. If you're full of doubt, like Nicodemus, he meets you right where you are. If you feel ostracized, like the woman at the well, he meets you right where you are. If you feel like the blind man lying on the road and you need healing, he meets you right where you are. And if you're in the midst of grief and in the midst of pain like Mary and Martha and all of these friends and family who've gathered there, if you're in the midst of that sort of trial in life, Jesus meets you right where you are. He meets you wherever you are, and he brings with him healing and comfort and hope. The image that we see here in John 11 is one of the most compelling images, I think, that we have of Jesus. The Savior who who isn't aloof, who, who isn't far from us, but is right there with us. In the midst of our suffering and our pain, Jesus wept the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's perhaps the most poignant, because it shows just how human our Savior actually is, how He grieved and how He wept with us and for us. Christ weeps with us. Down at verse 37, but some of them in the crowd said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it, and Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. See, Lazarus isn't just a little bit dead. dead. He's not in a coma. He's dead, dead. This is the point that Martha is making, that you can't open up the tomb because he really is dead, Jesus. You don't understand. He really is in there, and he really is dead, Jesus. What could you possibly do for him now? We've never seen anyone who was dead come back to life. What could you do for Lazarus now? Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had heard this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in the cloth, Jesus said, Jesus said, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus, he calls Lazarus from death to life. He calls him out of the grave, a grave that he's been in, not for a minute, not for 10 minutes, not for a day. He's been in that grave for four days. He's been stuck in this place of darkness and cold for four days. And Jesus meets him. Jesus meets him like he met so many others, like he met his sisters. He meets Lazarus right where he is. And he says, Lazarus, come out. Come out of that darkness. Come out of that death. Come back to life. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know that there are at least a few Lazarus Among us. Some of us have been taking. Have been playing a game with life. Pretending like we're alive. Like we've got it all together. Like everything's moving forward. Like everything's okay. When the truth is. We're in a cold, dark place. A place where we can't see light. And we can't see hope. And we can't see anything. But darkness. Jesus, the one who makes salvation real in the present, and eternal life real in the present. Jesus, the one who meets you wherever you are, has the very same message for you that he has for Lazarus. And that is come out. Come out. And if you believe and you give your life to Christ, if you turn your whole self over to Him, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying you're going to walk out of the grave and the rut that you may be walking in right now. It might take weeks. It might take months. It might take years. But I will tell you that our Savior is good to deliver on the promise that He makes. That eternal life is available to everyone right now in this moment. Even if you feel like you're too far gone or you're not good enough, Or like you'd never be able to get out of this rut or this place that you've been stuck in or this grave. If that's you, you need to meet Jesus. Because he heals the blind and he cures the sick. But he also weeps for us and with us. And he knows our pain. And he's the one who meets us in our graves in our death, in our sin, in our brokenness, and in our hopelessness, and calls us from darkness to light, and from death into life that truly is life. Would you pray with me this morning?